0: Failure. System failure. We're not going to stare at this thing for four months, are we? <laughs> how are we going to open it? Well, that's what we have to figure out. That's why we're sitting here. I mean, how do you open it? Hatch has no handle, no latch. No discernible way I've opened. Everyone, Matt here, and welcome to Looking Back at Lost, where each week I look at another episode of ABC's Lost to see how that episode fits into the series as a whole. Today I'll be covering episode 113, entitled Hearts and Minds. First I'd like to share with everybody a little fan feedback that I've been getting. Uh, First is Nicole M1 on Twitter, who said that, uh, she said, I'm loving your podcast and I don't like Jack either. I'm glad to have a fellow Jack hater there, uh, Nicole. Uh, Also from Twitter, there was uh, Kyle Kuhn, who said uh, uh, two separate things. Uh, First, uh, Actually, both of them about Jack. First is, uh, he said, well, if you look at Jack, I never thought he was painted as a good leader. Most of of his choices were really, really bad. I'm certainly there with you, uh, Kyle Kuhn. Uh, And then he also says, looking back, Locke is a false prophet and Jack is a martyr. Both are bad leaders. think they planned that from season one. I think that certainly Locke as a false prophet is something that is is uh certainly there and planned uh very early on in the show uh you see how pathetic he was um, uh, before the crash and I don't just mean pathetic because he was uh, uh paralyzed just kind of his his general attitude and his general uh lot in life before the crash when he was still paralyzed and also the fact that so very quickly his obsession over the hatch results in Boone's death. As dramatic as that is, as dramatic as it is to see it the first time, um you know, we've discussed in the podcast how how this is well, particularly in this episode, how uh uh Boone as the acolyte to Locke, they're slowly heading towards uh, Boone's death because Locke is, is the false prophet. And indeed, once they get to the hatch and there's just the numbers I mean, to him, it, this is, it, it's this important thing to keep pressing the numbers, and of course, there's the debate in season two that we'll be talking about, as to there's the debate within the episodes: are pushing the numbers actually worth it, or is this some, uh, you know, scientific uh, endeavor that that people will do some mundane task if they're told that it's important? But um, as for Jack as martyr, I mean, there's the quote from Matthew Fox out there saying that. Uh, he knew from the beginning of the show that the final shot was going to be uh, of him dying when the show was finally over. So, <sighs> Jack as murder—I I don't know how well, how much that was planned, but I think certainly—I um, don't want to say that it was obvious. I don't think anybody was saying, "You know, Jack will die at some point. Jack's going to die in the final episode." But I think that it's a logical place to take the story. So did they plan that from the beginning? Perhaps so. Locke is a false prophet. I, I'd say definitely so. Um, and uh, with that, one more little bit of uh, fan feedback here, uh, which uh, I, I have to admit was uh, wonderful to read and also uh, kind of profuse in its praise. Uh, on iTunes, user Lost in LostinHanalei said, at long last, a post-lost podcast that is worth listening to. Excellent retrospective commentary coupled with a great voice, and uh, this user added that uh, this is the best post-Lost podcast out there, and give it five stars. That's, uh, I mean, I almost have to blush to hear that. Um, my little uh, attempts to uh, review episodes each week, to look back at them, to reflect on them, uh, it certainly is uh, high praise indeed, so thank you very much, Lost in Hanalei. And uh, with that, let's finally start to work our way into discussing this episode Uh, proper, and I will start with the Wikipedia summary. In flashbacks, Shannon calls Boone and asks him to come to Sydney. When he gets there, he sees that her boyfriend, Brian, has been beating her. Boone reports this to the police and reveals that Shannon is his stepsister. While Boone is speaking to the officer, Sawyer is brought to the station handcuffed, shouting in anger. The detective ignores Boone, and Boone uh, ultimately offers Brian $25,000 to break up with Shannon. Boone also reveals that Brian is not the first man he has paid off to leave Shannon alone. Shannon refuses to leave with Boone. He realizes that Shannon has lied to him to get the money, and she has done this all the other times he has had to pay off her boyfriends. That night, a drunk Shannon comes to Boone's hotel room. She tells Boone that she knows he loves her, and they sleep together. Later, Shannon persuades Boone not to tell their parents. On the island, Boone and Locke have been trying to open the mysterious hatch, but tell the other survivors they are hunting for boar. At the hatch, Locke makes a paste and tells Boone it is for later. Boone admits to Locke that he is tired of lying and wants to tell Shannon about the hatch. Locke reluctantly agrees, but as Boone leaves, Locke knocks him unconscious with the handle of his knife. Boone awakens to find himself tied up in a position from which it is apparently impossible to break free. Locke applies a strange paste on Boone's head wound from when he was knocked out and leaves a knife embedded in the ground in front of Boone so he'll be able to free himself. After several unsuccessful attempts to do so, Boone hears Shannon's screams and the sounds of the monster approaching. He then frees himself and searches for his sister. Boone runs through the jungle and locates Shannon tied from head to toe to a tree. They run through the jungle together, away from the monster. He takes Shannon and the distraught Boone runs through the jungle searching helplessly. He later finds her a mutilated body by a creek and watches her die. That night Boone returns to the camp and tries to kill Locke, screaming that he had killed his sister. But Locke reveals that Shannon is alive. The pace caused Boone to have a vision that, according to Locke, is crucial to his experience on the island. Boone says seeing Shannon dead made him feel relieved. Locke says to come with him and the two disappear into the jungle with that, let's finally uh, move on to my various thoughts about the episode. First of all, it really is just such a pleasure to watch Lost in widescreen HD. I know I've said that in other previous podcasts, but uh, you know I had the sad, unfortunate situation of watching, uh, watching Lost on uh, non-widescreen, non-HD TV back in the day and whatnot. And, and uh, to see these episodes again, uh, it just, they were clearly shot it's uh, clearly shot in widescreen. I don't know for a fact that they were shot in HD, but given some of the uh, some of the quality of shots, I bet that they were. And it's just, it's just, it's great to see it as it was intended. Um, with this episode, the eye shot returns this time from a jealous boon. Uh, and it's well shot too. It's him watching Shannon and Saeed from afar, complete with kind of a long lens shot. So you kind of have a sense that you're uh, you're watching. Boone from afar as he watches them from afar, this sort of thing. And um, with that, we can head to our very first clip, uh, one where Boone threatens Saeed. Stay away from my sister. For a moment, you seem to be giving me an oath. It's just a friendly suggestion. A suggestion? Yes. If I were you, I'd listen. What if I don't? The acting is wonderful here. Boone's eyes look truly maniacal, whereas Said, of course, is the cool customer who's dismissive of the threat, and he's so dismissive about it that he actually appears bemused and kind of uh, just tickled pink that somebody dares uh, dares gonna cross him in this manner. And certainly, well, for my money, I'll take uh, I'll take Saeed in a fight uh, over Boone. Uh, it's also smart, too, on the show's part to have taken a little time off from the hatch story, at, at least for last week. Uh, you know, last week it was referenced but not explored. Uh, and now that it's back, it's a bit more tantalizing. They're kind of, um, you know, they're, it's this, uh, this wonderful and also uh, uh, frustrating habit that the show has of just slowly having these long storylines that kind of simmer as opposed to explode. Um, but anyhow, I had to, uh, moving on, I had to laugh when Jack referenced how Jin has been catching fish uh Jin hasn't appeared in the last few episodes so yeah, at least he's existing in dialogue you know he's not existing on camera but he's they're they're referencing referencing him the can, the, the character exists out there uh in their conversations if not on the screen uh, i'm sure it was a little uh, little consolation to the actor but uh <laughs> it's just you know the, the, it's such a wide uh ranging show obviously so how do they how do they balance it all? Well, sometimes it's you don't appear in the episode or or you haven't appeared for a while, now they're going to bring you back by talking about you. Um, the episode as a whole, too, it just has this wonderful pacing, especially compared to last week's, whatever the case may be. They're spending time on the island in this clip, uh, in this clip, in this uh, episode. They're, they're, they're focusing on the island. the The flashbacks are always interesting enough, but more often than not, You know, we we want the action to be here on the island, and in this episode, indeed, they are doing it. And uh, with that, let's move on to our our next clip, a clip that uh, uh, certainly has stuck with me and I've applied to other non-lost situations in life, so take a listen. So not to be too difficult, but we've been coming here for two days just staring at this thing. Not really sure what we're supposed to be doing. Ludovico Bonorati. Michelangelo's father, he was a wealthy man, had no understanding of the divinity in his son, so he beat him. No child of his was going to use his hands for a living, so Michelangelo learned not to use his hands. Years later, a visiting prince came into Michelangelo's studio and found the master staring at a single 18-foot block of marble. Then he knew the rumors were true that Michelangelo had come in every day for the past four months Stared at the marble And gone home for his supper So the prince asked the obvious, what are you doing? And Michelangelo turned around and looked at him and whispered Stola Varando I'm working Three years later that block of marble was the statue of David We're not going to stare at this thing for four months, are we? <laughs> it's such an evocative statement, isn't it? And uh, I must admit, when I initially re-watched uh, this episode for the podcast, I had wondered what the connection was to the show, aside from the fact uh, of them merely explaining what they've been doing in the jungle for the last two episodes. But, I mean, in, in re-listening to it now... To me it's just this wonderful conversation to the audience not only about uh what the characters are doing but it's to me it's almost reflective of the show as a whole they're not giving you these easy answers right away it's not like uh um alias it's not like alias the the previous jj abrams show where there would be a big massive cliffhanger mid-scene at the end of almost every episode something would be answered which would then lead to a new question Lost is taking this slow approach and they're saying, you know, that there's going to be whole chunks of time where we're, just going to, we're going to sit here, we're going to ponder certain problems, we're going to move slowly with them as other uh, dramatic details are addressed. And uh, it's almost like this clip is here, it, it, it's, it's placed in the episode to almost give warning to us at home saying, you know, that there's the bit there about uh, Boone saying, well, we're not going to sit here for four months, are we? Well, let's see, this episode aired... Let's see here, January 2005. So it aired in January, and Boone is saying, we're not going to sit and wait four months for for this hatch business, are we? Well, it would be May when they finally opened the hatch. So it would be over four months. So as I say, it's almost, especially in retrospect, it's almost this fair warning to everybody at home. We might just sit here sometimes and look at the hatch and discuss it. It's not going to all be... The next, the next mystery, the next mystery, the next mystery. We're going we're gonna to sit here a while. Um, also, what I love about that clip is you get to see Locke's confidence in this episode. He's just... I mean, what other words there are other than confident? He's so confident, particularly in preparing Boone for this drug-induced spiritual journey. That said, part of me wonders who in the world he is, who in the world is Locke, to decide that this is what Boone needed. Uh, obviously, as we know... Uh, Locke's leadership uh, over boone or w- leadership with Boone is you know ends in boone 's death so still it 's like you know who is this guy to decide i 'm um, the jedi master for you i'm I, i'm your new teacher and your new leader and and this and that the other If anything, it just gets back to what I was saying at the very beginning in response to uh, to uh, the the message uh, on Twitter Locke. Thinks he's this wonderful leader. He thinks he's all that, but he really isn't. He really is the 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 broken down, empty man with no future that we see in his flashbacks. He just acts differently for a, a short time on the island. Leaves the island, uh, you know, meets with little success uh, uh, back in the world. Um, when they start doing the the um, the flash forwards. And that, or I guess, let's see. Is he already? No. the when the first flash forward, he's obviously dead. But, but there, there's a time in the flash forwards where he's still alive. But um, but but anyhow, you know, he he dies at, at, at Ben's hand. He dies an empty man who never reaches that fate. So, uh, what can I say? It's as I've said many many times before. Here we are in a situation with uh, poor. Poor leadership from Jack, poor leadership from Locke, poor leadership in general. Uh, moving on from all this uh, all this uh, negativity of uh, death, Boone's death, Locke's death, poor leadership, etc., etc., there's some delightful comedy in this episode. So here's a wonderful clip. Take a listen. I'm out of here. Ow! Ow, ow, I stepped on a friggin' urchin! Ow, oh, you understand me? You understand infection? Dang brain amputation? Ow! Oh my god! Ow! Infection. Ow! Oh! Oh, ow! Oh, you gotta do something for me. Oh, got bad. in the bear You're gonna have to pee on my foot, man. It'll stop the venom. I saw it on TV. Just no! Oh! No, just pee on it, man! You need to pee. Be on it. Be on my foot. I'll lose <laughs> Just do it. I'll lose my foot if you don't. Just pee. <laughs> pee on it. No. Pee on. No. It's just I mean I mean what's there to say that the clip doesn't cover? It's just absolutely hilarious. It's a wonderful use of uh, of your various characters. As I said before, Jin hasn't been in it in a while, so to see him interacting with Hurley is great. Just the wonderful physical comedy of it. It doesn't really uh, serve any larger purpose to the episode, other than to a break up some of the mystery and the darkness and the the plotting that's going on. Uh, and I, I suppose b it just gives your actors and your characters something to do. But it's just, I mean, it's just great. Especially there's the one uh, there's the one shot where uh, Jin is holding Hurley's foot, and of course Hurley has just this massive foot in Jin's uh, hand, and. <laughs> it's 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 wonderful, it's wonderful um moving on a quick little thought about uh boone his hallucination clearly uh Boone's interactions with the monster are meant to be within his mind, of course, but I wonder what set it off. I wonder if the the monster was around Boone in real life while Boone was hallucinating uh I mean again kind of i I can't attach that to any grand theory, but um you know, you kind of wonder what's the, uh, what's the untold, uh, story of the man in black. It, it, what are the bits and pieces that he's watching here and there that, uh, that of course we don't ever see because that way, uh, you know, it, it can remain a mystery and, uh, all our, uh, all our questions can kind of fall to what the producers have answered. And you know, because I'm sure to, to go back and do some, uh, man in black behind the scenes, uh, or, you know, what the man in black knew type, uh, Type thing it would probably only lead to uh, various continuity errors or or whatnot. But anyhow, um, so this episode, in addition to kind of weird hallucinations and fun comedy, there's also just another little another little uh, pebble to add in the pile of uh, little edges of the edges of uh, of the lost universe. Little things that you can dismiss, but. Over the the episodes, over the seasons, they start to add up. And take a listen. This is uh, a fine example. Let me ask you something. Which way do you think north is? Sorry? North. Which way is it? Uh, Okay. The sun's going to set over there. So that makes that west. That'd be north. Correct. That's where North should be. Yet that is North. And that, a minor magnetic anomaly might explain a variance of two or three degrees, but not this. It's, it's funny, really, that in retrospect, the, the whole notion of this podcast, in retrospect, it's, it's obvious that in an episode where they're dealing with the hatch... Some characters are over here dealing with the hatch. There's also this ma- magnetic anomaly mentioned, and then we have these other two characters over here dealing in some minor way with this uh, magnetic anomaly. Uh, of course, in retrospect, that the two are related. Uh, of course, you know we know from later episodes that there's this magnetic pole uh, in the from the hatch within the hatch, uh, just on the other side of that concrete wall, and. They're not doing anything with it here. And you might say, well, you know, that was strange. Well, that's just another thing to add to the strangeness of the island. No, here we are, part of the master plan, episode 113. They're introducing the, the notion of uh, magnetism, which, you know, it's not part of some super magnetic uh, g- answer to everything in the epi- for the series as a whole, but there's this through line, the, the fact that North doesn't pi- uh, point the correct way, the hatch, uh, the end of season five, and seeing the construction of the hatch, and so on and so forth. Um, it's it, I, it's just one of these wonderful little touches that the show does, where it's there. You can go back, you can appreciate it, and it's just it's just uh, the, the fine craft of Lost, as we expect it. Even from an episode where, I mean, not for nothing, you know, the Boone Shannon flashback. You know, eh, I mean, it's it, it's all right. Uh, this is one of these episodes that kind of lines, uh, lines the players up, moves the players around so that there can be a, a big push on uh, future episodes. But there you go. Another little uh, wonderful little detail for, uh, for, for us to all reflect on. Anyhow, uh, just to, to repeat something I said earlier, it really is a bonus in this episode that they keep the flashbacks to a minimum. As I said, I mean, a Boone Shannon flashback, eh, it's interesting enough. Um, island life is almost always more interesting. And the flashbacks, at their best, are here to supplement the island story. And this is an episode that does that. So even though I'm not drooling over this episode, this is how a lost episode should be, in my uh, my humble opinion. Um, moving on, here's another quick clip. Uh, nothing that I think is particularly connected to anything But it certainly is uh, evocative of a later conversation So take a listen Any ships? Not yet But I'm patient Mind if I join you? Been a while since you and I talked, John Well, you're a busy man So are you Obviously, that's so evocative of the season five finale, where Jacob and the man in black are looking off into the distance, uh, seeing the Black Rock approach. Um, I, I don't know even necessarily that uh, that that conversation was meant to echo back to this. But certainly here we see uh, our two great uh, forces, man of faith, man of science, uh, our the people who become the island protector in Jack and then the uh the man in black's final uh physical form uh in lock um just kind of having this moment of acknowledging each other as uh um masters of their own corner of the boxing ring and and uh, perhaps foreshadowing that there's going to be some sort of uh conflict ahead um interesting too just as a side note charlie says that john Locke is the man he would place place the most faith into uh, obviously in retrospect this is not um, not the best of choices but uh, Charlie certainly is reflecting the audience's views at that point so I thought it was uh, that was interesting just that he's he's acting almost as the Greek chorus or as as us and saying um, um, <laughs> that's a trustworthy guy I mean we 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 all certainly would agree uh, at this point in the first season Uh, Moving on, this episode really moves at a blinding speed. It just it zips along. There are so many story points that they hit on: the hatch discussion, Michael finding something interesting in his bag, which uh, points towards next week's Walt and Michael episode. Jin fishes and has a stable marriage. Charlie recaps his heroin withdrawal and Claire's abduction. It's almost as if the writers decided that they were having trouble keeping all the pieces on the board. And uh, as well as keeping in touch with each piece, giving each piece its, uh, its due, so to speak. And it just seems like they simply decided to do an episode where everyone gets a little time so that the story as a whole can move forward. So if that, I mean, I was badmouthing this episode earlier. If, if the benefit of this episode is, as I was saying, you know, if the benefit is we get to move everybody forward on island, great. Perhaps I have some love-hate relationship with this episode. Anyhow, well, speaking of love-hate, uh, it's it's an odd, odd, odd and complex and uncomfortable scene when Shannon seduces Boone. Or, or is it that Boone lets himself be seduced? Or certainly there's a gray area in there. It, it's creepy because we've only seen them as siblings until recently. I believe this is the episode where the fact that they're uh, step-siblings, or, or is it perhaps last week? But certainly we've spent here we are 13 episodes in, certainly we've spent as viewers at home watching each week, if we, if we put ourselves in those shoes, we've spent weeks and weeks and weeks where they're the brother and the sister. And then it's only very recently, they've said, oh, well, it's, it's step-siblings. And then uh, I, I think this episode is the first time that they've uh, formally said, um, you know, the, the, the exact nature of who, you know, whose parent married who, you know, this sort of thing. Um, luckily, the show does not linger on their uh, their little romantic uh, moment, their bedtime moment. They're, they're smooching on the bed, then they cut to an extremely dark scene with an out-of-focus boon. Shannon turns on the light, and then there's dialogue of regretting and forgetting and carrying on. It's well written, it's well shot, it's well done. I think it's meant to be uncomfortable for us. Um, certainly, they're not spending any time saying, uh, you know, this is going to be a la scenes with Sawyer with his shirt off or, uh, you know, Kate with her shirt off or anything like that. They're they're looking to zip along through this because they know we're not comfortable with this. I suspect they're not comfortable with this, they, the, the producers and writers and whatnot. They just kind of uh, do the deed and move it along. Um, moving on, concerning Shannon's fake death. I can't remember exactly how I felt upon first viewing. But there there is something to it that does feel disingenuine. Now, obviously, it's her fake death, so it shouldn't feel hundred percent genuine. But they spent so much time with Charlie's near death a couple episodes ago. And then this week, there's the supposed death of Shannon that just simply comes across as a little unreal. It comes across as just a I don't know, it's a little it's a little perfect, a little too perfect. You know, the monster comes, takes her away uh, last moments of life at the creek as she bleeds to death and the water flows as her life flows on. It's just a bit perfect. It's a bit, you know, the, the way anybody would write a death, not with any um, with any uh, subtlety or craft. Um, now, why does it feel a little disingenuine? I certainly suppose that the show didn't need to invest tons of time in making a hallucination appear completely real in its dramatic presentation. So, there you go. As, um, as the, the episode uh, ra- starts to wrap up, Locke says that Boone had the hallucination to help his survival on the island. Now, of course, Boone hasn't got many episodes left. Ah, uh, Mr. Locke, it seems that even the writers don't have much faith in you. Um, however, we are still meant to have faith in Locke at this point. Locke proclaims that Boone should now follow him, and with that, the episode, like others that we've discussed this season, it just simply stops. There's no real end to the story; it just runs out of time. This is aggravating. I mean, if you're gonna, I don't mind a, a cliffhanger because you know by definition you don't resolve something with a cliffhanger, and that's okay. I mean, whether you're calling it a two-parter or a cliffhanger or this or that, for example, just off the top of my head, I think of. Um, the uh, the episode where the tailies are first introduced i mean that that literally stops in mid scene these strange people appear um but what's the effect in that the effect of that is you say oh, oh my goodness what do you mean time is up oh, i can't wait till next week or i need to put the next the next disc in or i just i need to stream the next episode um that's what you're supposed that's the effect you're supposed to have in an episode like this you're just supposed to say ah, the mystery continues or or this sort of thing it's it's just slightly unfulfilling. Um, obviously, I've gone back and forth in this episode. How do I feel about this episode? But um, it's it just feels a tad – I don't like it when these episodes just end. I suppose that's my big complaint. Um, you know, with, with Boone following Locke out to the caves, the scene just fades to black. There's the Lost logo. Yeah. Um, Luckily, I mean, you know, back back in two thousand five, we would have had to wait a week, uh, if if not more. Let's see, probably if they're airing this in January, we're getting consistent episodes every week at this point. Um, but it's it's just a tad, just a tad frustrating. Um, that said, though, we are not completely done. I wanted to take a moment, no, not even uh, just a moment. I wanted to take some time to. Um, Discuss an email that I got from Bonnie. You might recall that Bonnie has uh, been a dutiful listener, a certainly a friend to the show, and um, she had uh, kind of uh, said, "Hey, can I share thoughts for episodes that you have yet to, to to record? Because what'll happen sometimes is I'll I'll try and record a couple weeks ahead of when I'm actually releasing them, so that way, if there's you know whatever, if life gets in the way, that way you, dear listeners, can." still count on an episode every Friday. So I said to Bonnie, and I certainly welcome anybody who's listening, uh, I said, well, here's the next episode I'm going to be doing, Hearts and Minds. She, uh, she sent me an email, and, um, well, let me share some of her thoughts with you. I'll share my reactions, and hopefully, uh, hopefully uh, all will be happy. So uh, from this episode, Bonnie points out this is the first time that letting go is introduced as a theme. Uh, I don't know that the episode hits a home run with really telegraphing this as a strong theme, but I certainly would agree with uh, with Bonnie that what you know Boone has to let go. This is all about letting go uh, and, and moving on. Um, she also notes uh, quite correctly this is the first time that we see see losty lives intersect pre island with uh, Sawyer and Boone at the police station. I know I have this distinct memory of watching the episode and saying, "Wait." During the police station, that sounds like Sawyer. Oh my goodness, it is Sawyer. What's that supposed to mean? You know, what? Just another bit of craziness to add to the show. Um, and uh, let's see, Bonnie also makes uh, says that this is the first reference to sides, such as Locke telling Boone that they will need Saeed on their side. So uh, a good catch there, Bonnie. Um, and then um, let's see, Bonnie also has some stuff to say. Uh, Well, I'll just read what she says. She says, Said and Boone go a bit Lord of the Flies over a female. Speaking strictly for myself, says Bonnie, I never bought the whole Shannon Said thing. I can see Shannon's attraction to him, but there is no way in hell I'm believing a hardline, observant Muslim Iraqi gets all mushy over a 20-year-old, scantily clad blonde infidel, at least not for the first couple of weeks on the island. Heck, he's done without Nadia for seven years. And if he was so desperate, he could have given Rousseau a bath and dot, dot, dot. Well, you get my point. On a somewhat related note, says Bonnie, I was thinking of how important it was that there were many female survivors. Can you imagine all the males vying for just a couple of females and one of them being Rose? Yikes. Um, certainly there's a bit of humor there. Uh, the one thing I would disagree with, I don't know how much uh, Saeed is a hardline, observant, muslim uh i'll I'll admit i don't know uh the particulars of the muslim faith but certainly strikes me that um i mean i could see a root in saeed's life where he's uh subscribing to a certain view and then his uh his um interaction in the gulf war not necessarily even as somebody on the losing side but in terms of what uh what the gulf war did for him as a torturer at, at, with the, the corruption of his soul the fact that he's trying to put that behind him uh i don't I, I think that he certainly is one to question the world around him to question dogmatic approaches wherever they might come from um I, I don't know bonnie is a is a great friend of the show but i have to disagree with her here i i personally just buy this uh this uh, what's the thing? A December May romance. I, I, I buy their age difference. I buy the the craziness of it. You know, only on some, only in a plane crash would would these two people, or only after a plane crash, would these two people uh, um, jive as true human beings without kind of the social trappings to uh, to to trip them up. Uh, anyhow, there's a couple more things that Bonnie shared. She said that uh, language is a barrier to actual communication in this episode. And She's referring to Jin and Hurley uh, being able to communicate uh, in that that wonderful scene that I played a clip uh, from earlier, how they can communicate without actually knowing each other's language. Um, I, I just love how she puts that there, that language is a barrier uh, to communication in this episode. Um, and then... Uh, Two other quick things from Bonnie. She says that the compass not pointing north is an, is an indication that the island does not exist in an earthly realm. Uh, I personally would disagree with that. I think that they, the, the, the notion of uh, this magnetism at the hatch, to me, that, that answers the compass question. Now, if you say, well, what kind of normal earthly island can then uh, be moved from spot to spot? If you want to call that not existing in an earthly realm I might have to concede that point. Uh, last but not least, Bonnie said it had to be the man in black in Locke who made the hallucinogenic concoction. How would the real Locke know how to make it and know where on the island to find the ingredients? Um, I can buy the real Locke knowing uh, knowing how how to how to do all that stuff. Now, it does it stretch the the imagination a bit. Yes, I will admit that it is a bit of a stretch that he can find the proper i don't know berries and leaves and whatnot, but I'm a dutiful fan of Survivor. I watch Survivor each and every single week. And I know that there have been seasons where um, the, the the they'll bring along kind of the the native fellow they'll be you know if you win the if you win this challenge then uh, the the person from the local uh uh tribe or group or whatnot will come and point things out And there was this one episode where where they did just that and the guy just starts pointing well there's this there's that there's this and there's they've been surrounded by a cornucopia of of food they just didn't know it because they didn't have any training could Locke have some training to know that this leaf mixed with that caterpillar guts and whatever it might be that that can lead to some sort of hallucinogenic effect personally i i would say yes and uh, I'm personally also of the opinion that the man in black uh, and his connection to Locke, that that's not something that we see until, uh, until after Locke's death. Um, but uh, certainly thank you, Bonnie. Uh, let me say again, Bonnie has been such a wonderful friend of the podcast. And um, I, I, I thank you for sharing your comments ahead of time. And anybody else who is so inclined, feel free to... Uh, To uh, send an email and we can uh, discuss further to uh, to whatever episode I'm going to be podcasting shortly, which again is usually a couple episodes ahead of what's actually being released. Anyhow, now that uh, you've heard my thoughts, you've heard Bonnie's thoughts, my thoughts about Bonnie's thoughts, um, let's see what Lostpedia has to say. They note that this day, day 24, is seen again in flashback in expose as Arts gives Nikki a map to try and find their luggage. Uh, It is on this day that Nikki and Paolo find the drug smuggler's plane and the Pearl Station. It's going to be interesting when we get to that episode and get to the Nikki and Paolo stuff because um, certainly that is, if there's one glaring failure of the show, it's this notion of, oh, we're going to take some people from the very back, the very background and bring them forward because that was not an experiment that worked uh lostpedia also mentions that when boone is uh reporting shannon being abused by her boyfriend as as i said as we all noticed sawyer's being led away by the police officers these events are revisited in exodus part one from sawyer's perspective and it's the first explicit character connection revealed in the flashback um the scene between jack and Locke on the beach as i also said i really should maybe i should have edited this better once i had uh well anyhow they Uh, There's the reference to how uh, the Jack and Locke beach scene is similar to uh, the scene between Jacob and the Man in Black in the beginning of Incident Part 1. Another fact from Lostpedia, which I wouldn't have known off the top of my head, this is the only Boone-centric episode in the entire series. Sorry, Boone. Um, This is the first episode to feature a writing credit for Carlton Cuse, who, of course, if you're listening... You know that I'm about to say he subsequently became one of the main showrunners. Um, and then last but not least, all the compass scenes weren't originally going to be in this episode. But once the people involved realized that the episode was going to run short, they added the scenes with Said confused about where North should be. So a lucky addition indeed. Let's now quickly look ahead to next week. Next week's episode will be 114, entitled Special. Which is the uh, Walt Michael flashback episode. My recollection is that it's not a fantastic episode, um, but certainly I'll, uh, I'll be looking forward to, uh, to watch it in short order and then podcast quickly on it. A reminder to you all, dear listeners, that new episodes hit the website on Friday, hit iTunes on Saturday, and appear on the Lost Podcasting Network over the weekend. And uh, if you would like to share your thoughts, uh, feel free to say hello to me on Twitter where I am looking back lost. My email is looking back at lost at gmail.com. Looking back at lost is all spelled out, all one word. Uh, also if you have an iPhone or an iPod Touch, you can record a voice message and uh, with the voice recorder and then email it to the same uh, the same location, looking back at lost at gmail.com. You can visit the webpage LookingBackAtLost.podbean.com. Last but not least, you can find the podcast on iTunes by searching for, of course, looking back at Lost. You can uh, leave a review, vote uh, the number of stars you think it uh, it is worthy of. So thank you once again for listening. This is always so much great fun, and I will see everybody again next week for one fourteen special. Take care and goodbye. ¡Ah, no